Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. On this podcast, rather than looking at movies in terms of two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we look at them in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We look at good movies, bad movies, movies that we loved, and movies that we hated. This podcast is provided totally free with no outside advertising, so if you enjoy it, please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and write us a review. You can also find a transcript of this podcast on our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. This week, we're going to take a break from analyzing other people's movies to talk about seven-act structure and screenplay outlining in a different way. We're actually going to look at a trip that I took to Cambodia several years ago, and we're going to use it as a metaphor for the structure of a not-yet-written film. In order to demonstrate how you build a structure organically. What we're trying to do when we're thinking about structure is never trying to solve the script. Because there is no solving the script. Because whatever we come up with anytime we start thinking about structure is always wrong. The path that we think we're going to take through the forest is always wrong. If we are planning a trip to Cambodia, probably we've never been to Cambodia before. And that means probably we're going to have to do some planning. But there are different people who do that planning in different ways. If it's me, I might just show up because I love just showing up. And that's the way I move through the world. I'm going to show up in Cambodia. I'm going to book my first night in a hotel. I'm going to a bar. I'm going to talk to somebody at the bar. I'm going to find out what's cool to do in whatever city I happen to be in. And by the next day, that's what I'm going to do. And if I like the people from the bar, I'm going to hang out with them. And if I don't, I'm going to do it alone. And then I'm going to go to a bus stop because that's where you meet people. And I'm going to meet somebody at the bus stop. You want to meet people in a foreign country? Go to the bus stop. Look for someone with a map. That person's a tourist. Structure always begins with our goal. Without a goal, you can't have structure. Your goal might be wrong, but that's okay. You still need the goal. For example, I might think that I was going to Cambodia to see Angkor Wat. It may turn out that I'm going to meet the love of my life. Who knew? So now I think I'm going to Cambodia to meet the love of my life. We spend one day together, we hate each other. It turns out I'm going to Cambodia to escape. You see what's happening. The want is changing. The goal is changing. As we react to the circumstances around us. We're telling ourselves a different story of the movie that we're in at each moment. So oftentimes our goal is wrong. But if we don't know what our goal is, it's impossible to know if we are on the right trip. It's impossible to know if we're making a decision about our trip. And without those decisions, it's impossible to track our structure. So this is what we're looking for. Simply goals and decisions. The first goal that we care about as writers is, what is our goal for the script? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to say? What do we want it to be? We're probably wrong, but that doesn't matter. We're probably wrong, but it's nice to know where we are and what we think we want. 
So that if we deviate from it, we are deviating consciously and we're finding structure in our own lives. We're saying, you know what? I thought I wanted to write a movie about this. Instead, I want to write a movie about that. And at the same time, without a goal for ourselves, it is impossible to know how to focus our writing. So we need a goal, even if it's wrong, for both ourselves and for our characters. When I'm working with beginners or when I'm working with struggling professionals, I always set the goal the same way, to help them find their voice and connect to their character. Because the only reason the professionals are struggling, they already have the skills, they're struggling because their writing is disconnected. And quite frankly, the only reason that the beginners are struggling is because their writing is disconnected. If you're not connected to your voice, nothing else matters. And that's why I always set the goal for beginners to connect to your voice. And if I'm working with a professional and their work is not inspiring, I set the same goal for them. Connect to your voice. Connect to your characters. Forget about structure. Forget about structure, at least for right now. I set the goal that way because if you're not connected to your voice, nothing else matters. If you put too much salt in your cookies, it doesn't really matter what shape they are. It doesn't really matter what toppings you put on top of them. It doesn't really matter. You can douse them with ice cream and whipped cream and cherries. If there is too much salt in there, it's going to taste terrible. In her meditative writing classes here at the studio, Jessica Hines always uses a cookie dough metaphor. And I'm using it now because I think it's so brilliant. If you were trying to make great cookies, you wouldn't start with a tiny little cookie cutter. And somehow try to figure out how to pour just the right amount of egg and just the right amount of salt and just the right amount of flour and just the right amount of sugar into that cookie cutter shape. You start by making a dough. And if you make it right, you know you can shape that cookie dough into any form you want. If we can't make a cookie dough worth eating, there's no point in worrying about structure. Because the structure grows out of the cookie dough and not the other way around. But sometimes we reach a point where we do have voice, where you are writing with voice and you do feel connected to your characters. And then it is safe to think about structure. But as soon as you stop feeling connected to your characters, as soon as you stop feeling connected to your voice, you have to say stop to yourself. Forget structure. Let me just connect again. What does she want? How does she talk? What we're really doing here is simplifying things so that we can take them one at a time. I simplify this for my beginners and for my professionals alike because we live in a society that's all about structure and it's about fake bullshit structure. It's about all the rules that we're supposed to follow, that we know are false, but we still feel like we're compelled to follow them. We're told that we have to build these formulaic things that we know are not going to get us anywhere, but at the same time, We feel like those are the rules and we're supposed to be playing by them. So we have to come to this balance with structure. I stack the deck in your favor in my beginning classes by asking you to let go of the big picture and focus instead on your character. From there to the structure of each scene before you get to the structure of your whole film. And even that is hard for most writers to do. I believe that most writers are obsessing about structure all the time. 
What happens next? What's my structure? What's my character's journey? How is this all going to come together? All the time, every single day. I believe that there is an anxiety building underneath us every single day, every moment of every day. Oh my God, what happened? Oh my God, but what's going to happen now? How is this going to relate to where I'm trying to get to? Do I need to set this up? Is the audience going to understand? I think we're doing that all the time. And I think even when I tell writers to completely ignore structures, to drift in the river with your characters away from everyone, that even when you think you're just drifting, likely 90% of the time, fears about structure are still popping into your mind. It's only about 10% that you're actually in the river. So it's almost like we have to lie to ourselves in order to get to the truth. We have to tell ourselves, like in a meditation, not to think about structure at all. Not so that we can actually stop thinking about structure, but so that we can reach a point of balance between being in the present and projecting out to the future. Because if we set our goal at 50-50 in a society as unbalanced as ours, the chances are we're not really going to do 50-50. We're actually going to spend all our time obsessing about the future and no time being present with our characters. What we're ultimately looking for is a dance. We're looking for a dance between looking at your script from the inside and from the outside. Now I'm going to think about the big picture and how the stuff is going to go together. Great. That feels good. I like that journey. Now I'm going to go back here and I'm going to just play with my characters, knowing that that's the area they're going to play in. Oh, cool. Now I found this thing. Oh, you know what? Then that means the structure is different. Then this thing's going to happen back there, and this thing's going to happen over there. Then this is going to happen. Oh, cool. I feel good about that. All right, now I get to go back and play with my character in that playground. I like the metaphor of the trip because even though you know how I like to travel in Cambodia, there's another way to go to Cambodia that is perfect for a different kind of writer. I know when I travel that I'm going to have a great adventure, and I don't really care if I see Anchor Wat or not. And as a writer, unless I'm working on a work-for-hire project for a producer, I don't really care what journey my character goes on, as long as it's a journey that matters to me. So, if I don't care about Anchor Wat, then there's no reason to make a plan to get there. But if I did care about seeing Anchor Wat, then I am going to make a plan. Or if I'm working on a project with a producer, and they care about Anchor Wat, then I've got to make a plan to get them there. So if I just go to Cambodia myself, what I really care about when I travel are the people that I meet. That's my real goal. Meeting great people and not thinking about work at all and just having time for myself. Those are the goals that I care about when I'm on a vacation, just like it's my goal to focus on being present with my characters when I write. That's my real goal. I just want to have an adventure and I don't really care what happens. I want an experience in a culture that's different from mine. It's about meeting people that are different from me. That's what's exciting about my trip. So that's why it doesn't matter if I make it to Angkor Wat. It doesn't matter if I spend my whole time in Phnom Penh. It doesn't matter if I end up on a random beach somewhere for four days. None of these things matter. Because I don't care what happens to me once I'm there. And that's a way to build a script. We're simply following your character's objective in the scene, in the moment, rather than trying to build their super objective for the whole script.
But sometimes you realize you're going to Cambodia and you're like, I might only get to go to Cambodia once in my whole life. And I don't want to go to Cambodia without seeing Angkor Wat. Because Angkor Wat is one of the wonders of the world. And you might get there and realize also that they're renovating it, which is the worst thing they could ever do. Because in a way, they're turning it into Disneyland. They're clearing it out. Angkor Wat is the biggest ruined temple complex in the world. There are hundreds of temples from Buddhism that were built at the time when Hinduism turned into Buddhism. So there's this really interesting mixture of Hindu and Buddhist ideas in these temples. And you can actually see the transition of the religions inside the temples. Not to mention the fact that it looks like Tomb Raider. There are trees growing through the temple walls. You're in the jungle and... What they're trying to do is they're trying to show you what it used to look like. So they're clearing out all the jungle and they're building cement blocks and roofs to show you what it looked like way back when. And in my opinion, they're totally destroying it. So I might find out that information and go, holy shit, knowing that, I better get to Angkor Wat now because I want to see it as ruins, not as Disneyland. I need to go see it. And I might even find out talking to a local, which I did. That all the tourist buses show up at dawn, and that they watch the sunrise over Angkor Wat. But there's another temple in the same complex that nobody knows about. There's this other temple that has hundreds of Buddha heads, and you can show up there in the morning, and you can watch the sunrise completely alone, surrounded by Buddhas. And then you can walk from that temple over to Angkor Wat. And all the tour buses are gone. And you can experience Angkor Wat completely alone. So, of course, I did this. And, of course, this was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. It was beautiful and spiritual and magical and wonderful. And I didn't have to deal with tourists. So, in order to have that experience, once I found out that that was where I wanted to go, I had to start to make plans. The truth of my trip to Cambodia. I really did just book one night at the Raffles Hotel in Phnom Penh, which is the nicest hotel in Phnom Penh. And I booked it because I was on a 17-hour flight, and I'm like, I am sleeping in a comfortable bed. But that was the only plan I made. It was enough of a goal. I'm going to get to Phnom Penh, I'm going to sleep in a comfortable bed, and then I'm going to figure it out. You can see I'm building the structure of the scene. I'm not building the structure of the act or the structure of the movie. Then I started talking to people, and I find out, okay, I need to get to Angkor Wat. I don't yet even know about the other temple. I just know somewhere before Act 7, if we're thinking in the seven-act structure, somewhere maybe around Act 3, I want to get to Angkor Wat. My trip cannot end until I get to Angkor Wat. So now the next question is, how am I going to get to Angkor Wat? I'm currently in Phnom Penh. How long am I going to have to stay in Phnom Penh? before I transitioned to Angkor Wat. So what my friend and I did is we just wandered around Phnom Penh. We learned that we were the only people in all of Cambodia who walk, because what you actually do in Cambodia is you take rickshaws, because there are thousands of starving rickshaw drivers, and when you walk, especially as a rich American tourist, it's almost like an insult to them. You're basically saying, I'm not willing to give to you. You'd be willing to drive me around for $10 for a whole day, and instead I'm going to walk while you can't feed your family. It's rude to walk. So we started taking rickshaws. So before we learned that, and this may be the inciting incident, 
we show up in Phnom Penh. We sleep overnight and we go for a walk and we want to explore the city and we find out that, holy crap, you cannot cross the street here. There are thousands of motorcycles and we have no idea how to cross. Now you can see I can't plan that. I can't plan that basically my first experience in Cambodia is going to be I have to cross this intersection and there are thousands of motorcycles and I don't know how to do it. And I'm standing there for a good 15 minutes just going like, there's no traffic light. There's no cop. There's, how do you cross? I can't plan that. I have to be in the moment to experience that. And do you notice how me telling you that story makes you feel like you were there in Cambodia? Notice how you start to feel my journey. You start to feel my change. You start to feel the way that my expectations got surprised. So even if you have structure, even if you have an outline, you still have to let it go. We know that we had a plan. We're going to Phnom Penh, and then we're going to figure out how to get to Angkor Wat. But even as we have the plan, we still have to go, okay, now I know the plan. Let's step out of here and let's wander around Phnom Penh. The goal at that time was just to explore the city. So now what I need, if I'm telling a movie, is an obstacle. And what's the first obstacle I bumped into? It's, I don't know how to cross the street. Finally, what happens is, a Cambodian comes, and what he does is literally just walk. And the motorcycles start to part like the Red Sea around him as he makes his way across the street. My friend and I look at each other, and we're like, should we do this? Just step into traffic? And we finally do. We step into traffic, and the traffic mysteriously parts around us, and we walk across the street. Now, do you see how that's the inciting incident? We're in a completely different world. You see, I'm starting to get what I wanted. Even though I did not want to cross the street like that, I'm still starting to experience a different culture in a different world. I'm starting to move closer to my goal. I'm starting to change as a character. So do you see how the structure was working? I'm just trying to get me, the character, to anchor what? But I'm not rushing me to anchor what? Once I know I want to get there, I can relax and go, okay, cool. How am I going to get there? What's the most fun possible way for me to get there? I know there's going to be an act that takes place in Phnom Penh. I came all the way to Phnom Penh. So the first day, my friend and I are just wandering around Phnom Penh. One of my favorite things to do when I travel and when I write is to get lost. Because that's where you find the most interesting things. So what I do when I wander is I wander around until I don't know where I am. And then I start to discover the things that are not on the tourist map. So my friend and I are wandering around and eventually we end up in a neighborhood that we should not be in obstacle. And we start to look at each other and I'm like, I don't think this is safe. And he's like, yeah, I don't think this is safe either. And we kind of get a little freaked out. And in the end of our first night, this is our end of act one in a script. We're like, you know what? Let's get the hell out of Phnom Penh. Yes. Yes. We got scared. And you see that actually relates to our inciting incident. The inciting incident was learning to cross the street. Oh my god, look what we did! We're awesome! We're figuring out the culture! And the end of Act 1 was, holy crap, take me back to New York City. 
I mean, really. We scared ourselves. We didn't understand that Phnom Penh had bad areas that are not like New York bad areas. Nothing bad happened to us, but we felt scared. Now, maybe we had a reason to be scared, or maybe we weren't used to being around people at that level of poverty. Maybe it was just a little bit of white privilege. But one way or another, we felt some fear. And that fear related to our journey. So we were like, let's get out of here. Let's go someplace more touristy. What ends up happening is our Phnom Penh trip, which we thought was going to be the first half of our movie, ends up just being the first act. It ended up just being one day. So we're like, let's get to Siem Rip, where Angkor Wat is. How are we going to get there? So we pull out a map. And this is the top of Act 2. We pull up a map, and we realize there's a river that connects these two cities. And we're like, I wonder if we can go by river. So the next morning, we get a rickshaw, because we've learned. And we go down to the dock, and we start talking to people. Until we find a boat that's willing to take us to Siem Rip. And now we have the journey of Act 2 along the river. But we wouldn't even be able to take that journey if we didn't know we were going to see him reap. Inciting incident, we get on the boat, and this is where the journey really starts not being a movie anymore, because we get on the boat, and we end up in see him reap, and that's great, but nothing freaking happens. So what we thought was going to be Act 2 ends up actually just being a scene. Then at see him reap, we found out about the Buddha temple, and you can see that everything is going exactly as planned. And what happens when things go exactly as planned is we lose our structure. We were having a very good time, but this is storytelling. You can feel that, right? We're starting to lose our storytelling. In fact, the storytelling doesn't really start again until we're in Siem Rip. We're doing what we learn. We hire a rickshaw driver. We hire him for $10 a day. And he drives us from 5 in the morning until 8 at night. And he is delighted because we are paying more than the normal rate. And we're driving around, and we're talking to him about his family, and we realize that he is very, very poor. And this is not expected at all. I'm just still trying to figure out how I'm going to go to this temple and see it at dawn. I've hired the rickshaw driver to take me there. But what happens is he starts to tell me his life story. And I'm like, there are so many rickshaw drivers. How do you survive? And what he tells me is this. Here's what happens. He was a farmer, and his crops started to spoil. Something was going wrong. The rice plants were dying, and they didn't get a big harvest. So he had to come to the city to drive a rickshaw so that he could support his family because they didn't make enough money from rice. And he's telling me all these rickshaw drivers, they're all doing the same thing because the harvest was bad this year. So they've all had to come to the city, and now there are too many rickshaw drivers. He hadn't had a ride for 14 days at the point that we hired him. We end up going for ice cream. And my friend sees a pretty girl, and so he goes and he talks to her. And she's a traveler from Indonesia. Her name is Rati, and it turns out she studied agriculture in school. But there are no agriculture jobs, so now she's just working in shipping. So we're talking to her about that, and... And my friend tells her about our rickshaw driver's crop, the trouble he's having with his crops. So we end up bringing the rickshaw driver, whose name is Tin, into the ice cream place for them to talk to each other to see if she can figure out what's going on with his crops. And you can see we're back in story now. 
And what she explained was actually happening. This is so sad. It's the runoff from the diesel fuel from all the rickshaws that is killing the rice. And the more people go to drive these motor rickshaws, the more the rice crop suffers. And you can see what happens. We just got structure. I'm actually moving towards my goal of experiencing a culture that's very different from mine, but not in the way I expected. I just discovered a darker part. We thought that we were going to get to see him reap at the end of Act 3, but we're actually at the end of Act 2, when we start to find the environmental consequences of our tourism. Now we have some hot relationships. We have our relationship with our rickshaw driver. By the way, he was so afraid of coming into the ice cream shop because he was scared that he was going to have to pay. And we were like, we will buy you some ice cream. And he was so afraid that we were going to make him pay because paying for the ice cream would have cost him probably a week's wages. He didn't want to come in. We had to keep on telling him because he thought he was misunderstanding us that we promised you we're going to pay. We're going to pay. <laughs> so you can see we're deep in. We're deep in our relationship with Tin, our rickshaw driver. And do you see that this starts with that inciting incident in Phnom Penh? We're deep in this relationship. We now have the love interest, Rati. It was my friend who spoke to her, but I actually ended up really connecting with Rati. You thought that this was the movie about Jake's trip to Cambodia, and so did Jake. But what you don't know is that this first moment with Rati is actually the heart of the story. What you don't know is, around the end of Act 3, after Jake goes home from Cambodia, Jake is going to make a huge decision in his life. He's going to go to Indonesia to visit Rati. That was a true story. And do you see what just happened? Do you see that we thought we were making a movie about going to Angkor Wat, but we actually ended up telling a story about Jake's relationship with Rati that we had no idea we were telling? We couldn't have found Jake's relationship with Rati unless we found Jake's relationship with Tin, the rickshaw driver. We wouldn't have found Jake's relationship with Tin if Jake didn't have to take the rickshaw, and he wouldn't have had to take the rickshaw unless he couldn't cross the street in Phnom Penh. What happened was we thought we were building towards Angkor Wat, but what we were really building was towards Rati. Because really, there's a whole second half to this movie, which is Jake's going to go to Indonesia. I go all the way to Indonesia to meet this girl. And we have no connection at all in Indonesia. It's the weirdest thing. It's one of those things where you're in this unique place and you're both traveling and you feel like, oh my God, this is the person. And then you get to their home and you realize that you have nothing to talk about. So do you see the structure of that journey? And what ends up happening, you see, is that at each level it gets deepened. At each level there's a surprise. And what I'll tell you now to really understand the relationship with Rati, and this is all completely true. The relationship with Rati also doesn't go where I was hoping or expecting it would go. And actually, at the end of the trip to Indonesia, I end up deciding to get back together with my ex. You can actually see that journey. I end up realizing that I may have thrown away a really beautiful relationship because of my desire to always seek something new. And now you realize that, oh, in order to get to this point, before Jake ever leaves for Phnom Penh, we have to establish the X. So this is how structure works. Before I can go to Phnom Penh, I have to meet the X. 
But you didn't know I needed to meet the ex because you didn't know that this was about Rati because you didn't know this was about Rati because you didn't know I was going to hire a rickshaw driver because you didn't know I was going to meet Rati. So what happens is when we're building structure, each step teaches more about what we need to do. I'm building a seven-act structure here because that's what I teach in my Write Your Screenplay courses. But you could build a four-act structure, a five-act structure, a three-act structure, a 28-act structure. It doesn't matter. The concept is we need a goal. If Jake is not navigating towards Anchor Watt, none of this ever happens. Once you have the goal, you need obstacles. You need to make sure that things do not go the way the character plans. An obstacle doesn't have to be a bad thing. An obstacle could be meeting Rati when you're supposed to be going to Anchor Wat. What I just did was I took a story that didn't have a lot of structure, and I gave it structure. And the structure grew from the relationships, because structure always grows from the relationships. The structure grew from the way Jake, the character, changed in relation to his goal. And for Jake to change, he had to go somewhere he didn't expect. He had to go beyond the outline. He had to be present in his journey, just like you need to be present in your journey as a writer. Now, the truth is, I could continue this process forever. Because that trip happened almost 10 years ago, and I'm a different person today than I was then. And the structure of my life, just like the structure of a movie, is really just the psychological process by which I grow and change from one relationship to another. For screenwriters, structure really just exists to help us capture a moment, a movement of our lives or of our characters' lives. And though none of our relationships and none of our choices, not even the one that sounds like the end in this movie that we just made up, take us to where we'd expect, even though none of them take us to where we expect, it is these choices, these constant changes in relation to the things that we most want and the ways that we pursue them, that give structure to both our lives and to our writing. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. As I mentioned, we make this podcast totally free with no outside advertising. So if you enjoyed it, please subscribe on iTunes and write us a review. You can also get a complete transcript of this podcast on our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. And if you'd like to study with me in New York City, online, on one of our international retreats, or as part of our one-on-one ProTrack mentorship program. You can learn more about that on our website as well. That's writeyourscreenplay.com.